one pastor was um, writing about a pride and she wrote that she had a very excellent illustration of pride, and that was a man who she knew in college who continued to write his yearly Christmas letter about his accomplishments, and his accomplishments one particular year included a brand new luxury SUV, an improved physique, a growing 401k, a new beach house, as his star quarterback son, who also got a 4.0, and his Harvard-bound daughter. This woman used that illustration as someone who was very proud, and as she considered it, she became more and more frustrated at how proud she about how proud he was, and more and more happy with the fact that she wasn't like that. And then she realized she was being proud of not being proud, and found that pride is always present. Benjamin Franklin said it this way, There is perhaps no one of our natural passions so hard to subdue as pride. Beat it down, stifle it, mortify it as, mortify it as much as one pleases. It is still alive. Even if I could conceive that I had completely overcome it, I should probably be proud of my humility. Brian Wilkerson of Grace Chapel in Lexington, Massachusetts says this, Pride is an unhealthy preoccupation with self. C.S. Lewis entitled his chapter on pride in mere Christianity, The Great Sin, saying that pride is the essential vice, the utmost evil. It underlies all other sin. Pride is what made the devil the devil. It was his pride as an angel in heaven saying that he should be like God that got him kicked out of heaven. Pride leads to every vice and is an anti-God state of mind. Lewis goes on to explain that pride is comparative at its core. Uh, this is illustrated by uh, the story of a man who was on an airplane and the, his seatmate um, made a point early on in the flight of um, beckoning the, the flight attendant and, and saying, you know I have a, a special meal coming. And the flight attendant said, yes, we're aware of that. And he said, well, I'd like to get it as soon as possible. The flight attendant brought the meal. As the other people, a few moments later, as the other people were being served, she asked the man, how is your meal? He said, oh, it's wonderful. This special meal is very, very good. I don't expect to eat this well on an airplane. And then she put the meal uh, of this man uh, who was telling the story in front of him on that tray table. And he opened it up and it was exactly the same as the special meal of the man next to him. And the man next to him looked around and realized that everyone was getting the same meal and became irate. He said, this meal is terrible. I hate this meal. I was supposed to get a special meal and I got what everybody else got. This is disgusting. Well, it was the same meal. The problem was that he wanted to feel better than others because he had something better than what other people had. But when he realized he had the same as what everyone else had, he hated it. Lewis says there is no pleasure in what someone has if they're proud, but only in that what they have is better than what someone else has. Or the reverse of this, the sin of envy, which is very tightly uh, and closely linked to pride, 
says, well, someone else has something better than what I have, so I'm envious of them. But still, it is an unhealthy preoccupation with self and a comparison of self with others. We say people are proud of being rich or smart or attractive, but they're actually not. They are proud of being richer, smarter, and more attractive than someone else. Pride is ugly. The desire to be better than others means that you devalue others. It sets one person or group up against another. It always separates and devalues God's beloved. Pride is ugly toward God as well. It begrudges God's rightful place as Lord of all. Pride is a spiritual cancer. It eats up every possibility of love or contentment or even common sense. Pride is blinding. <clears throat> Pride sees it. People see pride easily in others and not often in themselves. And you know, you can be even, you can even be proud of your being good. You can be good and think you're so good, but you're good because you're being proud. And your goodness then is almost canceled out by your pride. C.S. Lewis believes that this is very likely what happens, what Jesus is speaking of in Matthew 7. When people come to him and say, Jesus, Lord, Lord, did we not cast out demons in your name? Did we not serve you? And Jesus says to them, go away from me. I never knew you. Because their service was done with prideful hearts with the desire to get attention for themselves, not a desire to serve God, not out of relationship with Jesus Christ, but out of a, des a desire to prove themselves better than other people. Once again, C.S. Lewis, who says, if you think you're not conceited, you are very conceited indeed. Pride is always there. It is impossible to avoid pride, but it is possible to recognize it. It is possible to work against it, and it is possible step by step through life to overcome it. And to overcome it is a wonderful thing. How you beat it? You beat it by letting yourself be yourself. Be comfortable with who you are and what you have, not based in any comparison with what anyone else has or who anyone else is. Paul put it very well in Romans chapter 12, beginning at verse 3. When he said, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of you has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. 
If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. What Paul is saying that is that all of these gifts have value. They are wonderful expressions of God's love toward us that we are gifted to serve other people. The problem comes when we don't like the gifts we have and want the gifts of someone else. What is that? That is pride. We are made free when we allow ourselves to be ourselves, when we become grateful for whatever it is we have and not compare ourselves with someone else. And we have no idea what other people go through. We see things we think make them feel better about themselves or make them more valuable, but we really have no idea. All we know is ourselves and our ability to relate to God in gratitude for who God is and what God has done for us. Thomas Merton said, humility is being precisely the person you actually are before God. Brian Wilkerson extends this by saying, and it isn't thinking poorly of yourself. It's not beating yourself up or neglecting yourself or minimizing your worth. It's simply being honest with yourself and others and God as to who you really are and what's really going on with you. The starting point for every human being is that we are persons made in the image of God, destined for eternal glory and gifted to do something good and beautiful in this world. And Thomas Merton continues, if you have the humility to be yourself, you will not be like anyone else in the whole universe. God created you to be you, and you are the only you that can be you. And God created you as a person of value, as a person that he called to himself, and a person he asks to serve others out of a sense of your own value, your own value, not based on who you are compared with anyone else, but who you are as the unique son or daughter of God that he created you to be. This also allows us to be pleased when we do well. There is a lot of um, concern about pride in what you've done. And in our culture, we're called to be proud of everything uh, and sometimes more often than not, that ends up being that sinful kind of pride that is an unhealthy preoccupation with self. But if someone says thank you for something you've done because you're using the gifts God has given you, that is a glorious thing to be celebrated. And that smile that comes to your face just naturally, that is a gift from God. It also allows us to appreciate others. I don't know if you've seen the commercial, and I can't even, I'm sorry, product, whatever you are, I can't remember what you are, but there's this commercial about kids going off to college, and uh, it's, uh, there's dad cry proud, where the kids get packing up, and the dad's crying, and the kid looks back, and the dad pretends not to cry, there's uh, bumper sticker proud, uh, where the grandma's putting her um, own cross-stitched or needlework bumper sticker on her car, um, 
and the, a number of other scenarios. And that is pride, but the good kind of pride. Because what Lewis calls it is um, a warm-hearted admiration to love your child or your grandchild, to, to feel good about who they are, that is a glorious thing. But if you feel good about who they are compared with who the neighbor kids are, that is pride and that is sinful and that is to be avoided. But that natural love that bubbles up when you are so grateful for their character or um, their, their kindness, whatever it might be, for who they are becoming, that is perfectly wonderful because that is right in line with Romans 12, with what Thomas Merton says, be happy with who you are, be happy with who your child is or whomever it is that you are appreciating. That's all right. It's all good until comparison enters in. So let you be you, and also let God be God. Mere Christianity, and um, on page 114, you don't need to know that, but I wrote it there for myself, says this. C.S. Lewis writes, the point is, God wants you to know him. He wants to give you himself. And he and you are two things of such a kind that if you really get into any kind of touch with him, you will, in fact, be humble, delightedly humble, feeling the infinite relief of having for once got rid of all the silly nonsense about your own dignity, which has made you restless and unhappy all your life. He is trying to make you humble in order to make this moment possible, trying to take off a lot of silly, ugly, fancy dress in which we have all got ourselves up and are strutting about like little, the little idiots we are. Saying, look at me, aren't I good? And all its posing and posturing. To even get near it, even for a moment, this ability to put aside all that posturing. Lewis says, I wish I had gotten a bit further with humility myself. If I had, I could probably tell you more about the relief, the comfort of taking off that fancy dress. And even just getting near it, though. Even for a moment. Getting near that place of not having to posture, to prove ourselves, to set ourselves up against someone else in order to feel good, but to acknowledge and receive God's love for us regardless, he says, to even get near for a moment is like a drink of cold water to a man in a desert. God cares about you. God loves you, not because you are better, than anyone else. And God doesn't withhold his love from you because you're not better. Even because you're not better than who you want to be. Even if you don't measure up to your own standards, God loves you, God receives you, God values you. That is the key 
to humility. Because we can trust that God loves us. Not by the measures we tend to use, but because he loves us. It does mean, though, to receive this love that you have to receive the gift of mouthwash. Or like I did a number of years ago, receive Dr. Phil's diet book as a gift. Now, I have to say I was still a little proud back then. I have to say I'm still struggling with this now. I believe we all are. But I did not receive the gift of a diet book very graciously. Oh, I pretended to, but in my heart I did not. And if someone gives you the gift of mouthwash, what does that mean? <laughs> it means you have bad breath. What does it mean if I get a diet book? Well, we all know what it means. But to receive from God means that you have to acknowledge that there is something wrong. That you're not the person you wish you were. You're not the person that your exalted self wants you to be. But you are a broken person. You are a person with good traits and bad traits. With strength and weaknesses. And when you receive the salvation that God wants to give you, you receive it as one who knows you need it. And the only way to do that is to put your pride aside and say, right, I'm not all that. And I need something. And what we need is the salvation that Jesus Christ has won for us. Finally, once you know who you are as a redeemed, beloved child of God, the next step is to serve. Even the passage in Romans that we read, it speaks about if you have this gift, then use it. Use it to serve other people. That's why you are who you are, because God has created you in such a way that you have value in this world and that you can help and serve other people. Jesus himself, when he was preparing to be crucified, it says in John 13, 3, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. Jesus knew that he was all-powerful. Jesus knew that he was God incarnate, truthfully. And what did he do? So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Folks, Jesus knew just who he was. He knew that he was the Son of God. He knew how truly wonderful he is. And even with that, even though he could have compared himself to anyone else and come out on top, his choice was to serve, was to demonstrate God's love through service. And when you know who you are with your strengths and with your weaknesses, but you know that you have gifts to serve in one way or another,
God longs to use those gifts. Put aside your pride. Know that you are already valuable and God can use you and bless you and give you such a strong sense of value and meaning and purpose that nothing else can give.